Come join the song of all the redeemed, says that song. I love it. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Today I want to talk about how you'll spend your time, how you spend your life. Time is a funny thing because it absolutely flies. It seems like about two years ago on green carpet on this platform that I said I do to Miss Lindsay Curry and she became Miss Lindsay Skipper. But it was not two years ago. It was almost 18 years ago. It seems like just yesterday I started preaching to you all. But it was not just yesterday. It was six years ago. Time flies by. For a whole bunch of you in a church like ours, where we want to be a church for all the generations to glorify the Lord. We want to be a church where families are discipled together. Listen, for a bunch of you, I remember when you're born and now you're headed off to college. And worse than that, Brother Hogan remembers when your parents were born. I mean, we have, we've watched it all happen. I'm talking about Mary and Lindsay. Brother Hogan was saying, you know, it seems like just yesterday, he and Donna Ruth were standing there getting married right in front of the ark with Noah saying the vows. I mean, it was great. And here they are today. Time absolutely flies. Your life is flying by. Now, the kids in our church are going, no way. What are you talking about? Hang on just a minute, guys. You'll get there. But time is a precious commodity because time equals life. Like, that's it. Your life is a gift from God. You're crafted in His image. You bear His likeness. And you are on His mission. Every one of us. Everybody in this room is on equal territory. You are God's gift to the Pine Belt today. And He's sending you out on His mission. And you've only got so much time to get it done. And and I bet that you are like me and like everybody's kids. You know, we look up and we say, you got an hour to clean your room. And they say, oh yeah, okay, no problem. He said, hey, you got 30 minutes to get your room clean. Oh, yeah, 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 that's fine. We're leaving in 30 minutes. Yeah, it'll be fine. I'll be ready. Hey, in five minutes, we've got to go. Oh, oh, will somebody help me? I feel like you and I are probably like every kid on that time crunch to get in the van. We're watching the time like sift out of our hourglass, but we lack the urgency to know how to make it count. And so in this sermon... I want to ask all of our students, all of our children, all of our retirees, everybody in our church family to make this life count. Make the most of the time that you have together. So I want to pray about that. I want to pray and ask God's Spirit to bless you in this endeavor. But listen, I want you to know as I'm praying as your pastor today, I totally expect that God's Spirit will prick your hearts throughout the sermon and that He'll tell you things that He wants you to do with your time, with the time you've got left. And I'm telling you that if God begins to stir in your life and says to you, you've got time left, use it, I expect you to use it. Say yes to Him today. Like, I would love to see us make radical changes in our life trajectory because the Holy Spirit stirred us. I don't want any of us to walk out and say, I already know how to live my life. Like, if God nudges you today, just say yes. Let's pray. Father, I stand in front of you for a moment and pray your grace and your blessing over my sisters and brothers. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would show us what's going on inside our hearts 
in our minds. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would show us our sin or our idleness, our lack of love for people. I pray, God, that you would call us into productive missions and ministry. I pray, Lord, you'd set us free to have peace and know when to sit and be still in your presence and to be identified with you, reconstructing our own self-image in your likeness by being alone in your presence in prayer. God, I pray you'd show us how to use our time for your mission. I ask your glory in Jesus' name on us, Lord. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and following. We've been reading through Ephesians together as a church, but everybody find these verses in your Bible and let's read them together. Uh, hey, this is a weird thing to say, but Sonny, I can't hear myself, so you know, I don't know if I'm coming out here or not, but I feel like I've got to yell at them and you might can help them. All right, so Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. This is what, the Paul, what Paul the Apostle said. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. That's a peculiar thing to say. Verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to direct your attention to a peculiar little statement in verse 16. In all of this passage, the thing that I believed God was directing my heart to weeks ago was to talk to you about this funny little phrase. In my Bible, the text said, make the most of every opportunity. But some of your Bibles said something different. What did your Bible say? Take a look at verse 16 and see what your Bible said. For some of you, your Bible said, make the most of every opportunity, just like mine. For some of your Bibles said, make the most of the time. And some of your Bibles said, redeeming the time. Well, our sermon today essentially is to understand this peculiar little phrase and then to reorient our entire lives around these words. I want to talk to you about what it is to redeem the time. So let's talk about verse 16. Kind of a funny little Greek word in the background. I loved the language, make the most of every opportunity. And when I noticed all the different translations, I wondered what was going on in the background. Well, the Greek words actually mean redeem or buy back. Like the, the word stuck in the middle, and I know you don't want a Greek lesson, so you won't get one. But the word stuck in the middle of the first word on the screen is agora, which means like the place where you buy and sell things, like the marketplace. So in some way, Paul's telling us to buy back, to redeem, literally, the time. Like, the most literal translation of his words are redeem the time. You're like, well, what does he mean? Bible translations render it all three of these ways. Redeem the time, make the most of the time, and make the most of every opportunity. Well, we want to know what Paul means when he tells believers in this room to make the most of the time, to redeem the time, or, or make the most of every opportunity. And so we're going to give ourselves a little bit of a Bible lesson just by looking at the words before and the words after. So here we go. What does Paul tell us? Take a look in verse 16. He tells us why we're supposed to redeem the time. And I know this sounds peculiar, but Paul says, redeem the time 
or make the most of the time, make the most of every opportunity, specifically because the days are evil. Well, what do you mean the days are evil? And it sounds like a good name for like a scary Netflix season, you know? The days are evil. Because even 2,000 years ago, the people who were redeemed in Jesus recognized that all around them, people were not running to godliness. We were running to our lusts and our passions, our selfishness, our desires. And as a result, really and truly, the days were evil. Like the days are filled with evil. In the book of Ephesians, the, the devil is on the prowl. In chapter 6, the Bible tells you you're going to have to withstand his darts and arrows. That like he's really on the attack. In chapter 6, it says, once you've done everything to stand up against the devil, get ready to stand up. I mean, like he's really against you. In chapter 2 in Ephesians, where it said that you used to be dead in your trespasses and sins, it also says that we were ruled or governed by the spirit of the air. That's a nickname for the devil. I mean, when Paul says the days are evil, he's really telling us, I'm going to be honest with you, all around you are evil things, people who have evil intentions. And in the middle of all this evil, in the middle of all this darkness, God is interested in redeeming people. But you better be serious about it because the days are evil. It's almost like Paul wants us to know that the stakes are high. I want everybody to get this. Paul says you have to make the most of the time. You've got to seize every opportunity because the days are evil. And it's almost like Paul is saying to us, listen, God loves the people of the Pine Belt. And you're supposed to make every opportunity to reach them for Jesus' sake. And you better be intentional because you just need to know the days are evil. If you don't reach them, they're gonna, not going to accidentally fall into the lap of God. The devil is intentionally trying to wrestle them away from the kingdom. The days are evil. The days are filled with drunkenness. The days are filled with men that want to abuse you. The days are filled with people that want to deceive you. The days are filled with people that want to take advantage of you. The days are filled with people that want you to make yourself an idol. The days are full of people that want you to worship your abilities or your sports or your grades. The days are filled with evil, so we shouldn't be surprised. Like when you wake up in the morning and you take out your phone and you look at your news feed just to see what's going on in the world, you shouldn't be blown away when you see evil in your news feed when you see who's killing who and who's arguing with who and who's fighting who and who's shutting what down and where the opioid crisis is in the world we shouldn't be surprised we should do something about it but we shouldn't be surprised because Paul warned us the days are evil what do you expect so Paul says we as believers have got to be serious about our time because the days are evil. So your children, your children's friends, the kids on your soccer team, the people that sing down the line and show choir from you, the folks who are in the percussion line with you, your neighbors, your cousins, that lady at the end of the road, the people that work with you, they are not accidentally going to find themselves in the kingdom of heaven. The days are evil. The deck is stacked against them. And so the church has to be intentional. So Paul says, listen, I want you to know the world is a dark place. 
And people aren't like accidentally flocking to the gospel. We've got to be intentional. So the first thing I've learned to orient myself around this phrase is that the days are evil. So I've got to tighten up. Second thing I learned about this phrase, look up in verse 15. After Paul has preached to us about how to live, how not to sin, not to have sexual immorality about us, not to be gossips, not to tear people down with their words, not to steal or be greedy. He's told us that we're now children of light and we're supposed to live like children of light. And in verse 15, he says this to us, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise people. So whatever it is for me to redeem the time, to make the most of every opportunity, I'm supposed to do it as a wise person who's been blessed by the Spirit of God. No longer are you a fool depending on your own wisdom and strength, but you're a wise person who's been given God's Holy Spirit. And so we're supposed to make the most of every opportunity, redeem the time in a wise way. Well, what would it look like to redeem the time in a wise way? Well, to cut to the chase, you've got a very short little life. And you're supposed to make an impact for the kingdom with it. You're supposed to make the most of every opportunity. You're supposed to redeem the time. And your time is flying by. So how should you use it? And the first thing you're supposed to do is be aware that the days are evil. So if you just waste your time, people are going to go to hell. But the second thing you're supposed to recognize is that as you're engaging, well, how do I use my time, Lord? You better do it in a wise way. This is a word that the church needs to hear. Sometimes I think the church represents the Lord to our culture, but we do it like fools. In other words, we speak to the world around us in a way that they would never listen. And maybe the first thing we need to do today is to think about how we could speak to the world in a wise way so that they could listen. Let me just dial this back to your household. All right, let's say that in your marriage you have an issue that you're trying to work through, right? Let's say that your husband, like Lindsay's husband, has a few bad habits. For example, maybe your husband, when they stir their honey into their tea or when they stir their sugar in their coffee, they take that spoon and lay it on the edge of the sink. Nobody knows why, but let's just say maybe they do that. Let's say that it annoys you. Don't know why, but let's just say that it does. Or let's just say that your spouse doesn't close the cabinet every time when they get, or some other little silly thing that you simply need to correct. So you are now the ambassador for the cleaner kitchen. You have the gospel of the tidy household, and you're ready to preach it to those who need to hear it because the days are evil. Amen. I may not be like an expert at marriage, but I know when those conversations go like this, they're never heard. Slam the door. I've never had this conversation. Lindsay doesn't do this. Slam the cabinet door. Bang the spoon. Hold it up. You leave this spoon on the sink every day. I'm sick of it. How many husbands are going to go, babe, come here. I'm sorry. I had no idea. Get in close. Gosh, I love you. Come here. Let's just hug this out. Let's hug it out right now. Laura, you see how this is not going to work? Newlyweds, welcome home. A college intern just got married. Our, our world has changed. 
I think the conversation would go better if it was something like this. Hey, babe, I love you. I know you're super busy this morning when you're making your coffee. One thing, though, real quick. Like when I pick up the, food, the spoon off the sink, it leaves rings like with sugar or cream. Kind of bugs me that I have to clean it up. It would mean the world to me if you just rinse that off and put it in the clean dishes. Might be heard. It might be heard. I'm just saying that as we make the most of every opportunity, we should be wise. I think God is very wise. Why can't his people not be wise? So when we are trying to engage the lost world and we use language that offends them before we've opened our mouth, guess what? They're not hearing. Like probably if you made a social media post blasting the heathens for their ridiculous sin, they probably didn't read your post and say, huh, I should stop that. Man, I really appreciate you saying that. They probably, they probably strengthened their conviction that Christians are idiots and said, they're jerks and went to the next post. I'm telling you to redeem the time, and one of the things we have to do is we've got to become more wise in the way that we engage a lost and dying world. And a lot of that just comes down to knowing how to speak to people in a way they'll listen. To make sure that our words are seasoned with grace, salted with love, and come from a heart that really does love them. Make the most of opportunities. Well, step one, be wise. Another thing that we should do, drop down here with me in verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish. So we've already covered that. We're not fools, we're wise. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, like if we are the church, we need to understand today that He's our Father. And that we care about his mission. In fact, what his will is, like what he cares about, it should be what we care about more than anything. We should be willing to put all of our hobbies. We should be willing to put all of our extracurriculars. We should be willing to put everything in line with his will. And if we conflict with his will, we should be willing to change. That's just what it is to be God and to not. So the scripture says, make the most of every opportunity. Don't be a fool. Know the Lord's will. So let's stop for a minute. Well, what do you think God's will is? Well, Jesus made it clear once upon a time when he said it like this. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So if God is on a mission so that he is redeeming his people, making sons and daughters out of all of us who were dead in our trespasses and sins, you included, me included. If God is on a mission, if what he cares about is us redeeming the world, then if we're making the most of the time, we need to be on his mission. It's time for us to engage God's mission, redeeming the world. If that's what matters to him, we should be doing it. If your boss is paying you, and I don't know what you do. You make widgets or you make deals or you sell things or install things or build things or you paint things or you, you talk about things. Whatever it is you do, if your boss is paying you and your company is giving you a salary, I promise they have a certain will for your life. Like They want you to make their mission successful, right? 
Do you think your boss is thrilled if every time they come through, you're playing a killer hand of solitaire on your computer screen? No, they probably have had a conversation with you about that, right? Let's don't play solitaire at work. Why? Because they actually expect that you would be interested in their mission, the one they're paying you for. Well, if they're just paying you to sell widgets or talk about things or sell things or make things that are earthly or going to burn up at the judgment, how much more important is our mission for him to redeem souls of humans? Like that matters the most. And so when he peeks in, I hope he doesn't catch me just playing solitaire, but instead engaged on his mission. I need, listen closely, to learn how to redeem the time that I have left. I need to learn how to make the most of every opportunity. And I respect that that's tricky. If I want to summarize this, make the most of every opportunity, redeem the time, And I want to build in that I know that the days are evil. That is, like Satan is really working, and he's doing a great job right now. And I want to recognize that I'm supposed to be wise about how I do this. And I I recognize that I'm supposed to know God's will, which is this mission. How would I summarize this? Well, I've got a little summary statement that I want to give you. This is the way that I summarized what this means to redeem the time. It means this. The stakes are high. The time is short. So reach the world that God loves in a way that will work. Use God's wisdom to be on God's mission. And if we don't, the world loses everything. One family at a time, one life at a time. And we say, well, how do we do this? What does it mean? Give me a formula. All right, well, that's the crummy part. Like there are a thousand formulas out there. Do this, do that. But nobody knows which one works for you and your family. In fact, the Holy Spirit of God might lead you and your family to do something radically different to redeem the time than me. I know that you're supposed to invest in your neighbors, your co-workers, and your peers. I know that you're supposed to find a way that works to redeem the world. I know that none of us are supposed to sit on our derriers and wait on somebody else to do this. We are a kingdom of priests. Every baptized believer in this room is on this mission. So the challenge for us, every one of us who came to church today, is to seek God's will and understand how am I supposed to redeem the time? Now, to jog your thinking, I I thought about this a little bit. Hey, listen, we got together with some of our leaders at church and asked them what are some of their struggles. So our strategic plan, that sounds so fancy, but our strategic plan for the next five years to be a healthy church, to make sure that we don't coast into autopilot, to make sure that we're growing in Jesus and spreading Jesus, our strategic plan, we've nicknamed it the 5 by 5 by 5 vision. Our vision that is we'll look up five years from now and see 5,000 families who've been impacted by your ministry all over the Pine Belt. Then we'll tell 500 stories of how we saw God working. We're kind of in the middle of year one at that. We gathered some leaders last week and we asked them, hey, how's it going? What are your struggles? We're trying this first year to make 25,000 contacts with people to train ourselves to be on missions all the time. That's the ping pong balls we're dropping in the, in the displays. That's the people that we're trying to reach. It's the mission we're trying to be on. Well, we asked, how's it going? And they identified some of our challenges. Some of the challenges were on me, uh, the way that I present vision or clarity. Some of the challenges were, you know, all over the board with things that we needed to define better. But some of the challenges that our leaders helped us identify were these. Ben, we recognize that we are afraid 
to reach out. We're afraid of people's opinions. We're, we're scared. Fear is paralyzing us from making connections with people for the Lord's sake. Ben, we recognize that our priorities are a little out of line, to be honest with you. That I've over-prioritized some of my extracurriculars that maybe my, maybe, maybe my, my sports team or maybe my grades or maybe my hobbies are more important than the mission. And I'm just going to be honest, maybe our priorities are out of line. Our leaders recognize that busyness is one of their challenges. I'm overwhelmed. I've, I've scheduled every second of my waking life, and I don't have any margin to interact with people the way Jesus did when he walked into villages. Ben, I've got to figure out how to make some margin if I'm going to make connections for the Lord. Ben, I forget the mission. I get busy. We, we get out there and we start doing what we do at work, and I forget that I'm supposed to make connections for the Lord. And some people were honest enough to say, I'm, I'm not sure that my heart's driven enough for the love for the lost. I need God to rekindle a love for my neighbor. Well, how are we going to overcome these challenges? What would it look like for us in this vision to become a church that learned to make the most of every opportunity? To recognize that the stakes are high, the time is short, and it's time for us to reach the world that God loves in a way that will work. What would it look like? I want to do some brainstorming. So I've asked this particular question. Well, what would you do if you knew that you only had a limited time left to live? It's an interesting question. Like, if you knew that the van leaves in five minutes, would you hurry up and clean the room and throw on your hat and run outside? If you knew that God was going to call you home in two years, would you live differently? If you knew that God was going to call everybody you love home in two years... How would you reorganize? Would a sense of urgency put you back on God's mission? And then I started to think through it, but wait a second. I know that none of us know when Jesus is coming back, and none of us know when we're going to die and be finished. But I thought about this question, what would you do differently if you knew that you had only a limited time to live? But Paul said, redeem the time. Like all of it, all the opportunities. And I, and I thought about it this way. Wait a minute. If you're a high schooler, raise your hand if you're in high school. Where are my high school people at? There we are. And he said, I cannot believe you're in high school. All you guys. All right, so all my high schoolers in the house, you've got limited time. You are surrounded by like 1,500 people every day of your life, but you've only got four years to have a kingdom impact on any of them. So like if you're a junior, you've got a year and a little change left. If you wanting to redeem anybody's life on show choir, that season is short, you better take advantage of it now. Baseball players, like if it's your senior year, well, that's great for you. Are you going to spend this time drunk and partying, living up your senior year? Or are you going to recognize that you've got three months left and that's it if you want to have a gospel impact on anybody that plays second base that you're on your team? Like if you're in high school, I realize, wait a minute, you've only got four years at the most. And some of you have only got three months. Like, if you want to make the most of this opportunity for these people, you've got to hurry it up. Like, go, move now, fast. Softball team, get moving. Like, you're running out of time to have an impact on these people. And if you're in PTA and you're like, man, if I have to come to, like, show choir parent meeting one more time, like, if I have to coach one more, you know, little league baseball game, 
gosh, I'm going to pull my hair out. I get that, but it's also your opportunity, and you better make the most of it because those kids are growing up fast, and the season's almost over. And if you're going to have those boys in your home so you can pray for their dads, share the gospel, or invite them to church, you better hurry. Season's almost over, right? I mean, the, the time is shorter than we think once we break it up into small chunks. College students, you got college students, you've only got four or six years to get that bachelor's degree. But seriously, the time is short and you've got to make the most of every opportunity. You're surrounded by lost people with an opportunity to invest in them and show them the glory and the grace of God. Now, for everybody who's sitting here right now going, Ben, I blew high school. I blew college. Like, I'm 30, and I have not engaged this mission. Well, you've wasted some time. I'm not going to beat you up on that. But I'm going to say, so if more sand has gone out of the hourglass, just increase the intensity. Hurry up. Like, don't waste another day. Don't waste another year. You know, there's an old Chinese proverb that I think is fantastic. Why are they so wise? Do you know when is the best time to plant a tree? The answer, 20 years ago. Do you know when is the second best time to plant a tree? Now. So if you blew 20 years, I'm sorry, but do it now. Get started now. Build legacy now. Here's, a, here's, a, here's one that will twist you up a little bit. All you parents that are wrestling with sleepless nights, amen, defiant, disobedient little demons, I mean babies in your homes, we love our children. You are gifts from the Lord. Your arrows in our quiver. Just sometimes you poke us. We love, we love our kids, right? But for all of all the parents that are in there, like, oh, parenting's so hard, I can't wait till they're out of the house. Why? This is your opportunity. Like, you've got to maximize it. It's going to be over. I'll tell you a wake-up call for us. Let's just play this game. Let's just play this game right now. Are there any kids in the church? I love the Carterville kids. Love our church kids. Are there any kids in the church who are six and a half years old or seven? Any six or any six-year-olds? Let me see. Where are you, six-year-olds? Yes, there's one. Are there others? All right. So my six-year-olds, you ready for this? Moms and dads, you see those precious little babies? I mean, precious little babies, six and a half years old. Did you know that they're halfway to being a teenager? So if you think time is short, tighten up. Halfway to teenager. Halfway to eyes rolling, not listening. Right? Just kidding, teenagers. Right? I'll tell you the wake-up call for Ben and Lindsay Skipper. For me, I looked at, um, at our oldest son when he turned nine. I was looking at my oldest son, and I was celebrating his birthday, and I was thinking about how much we love him. And he was at nine years old. Do we have any nine-year-olds? Let me see my nine-year-olds. Who are my nine-year-olds? One, two, three. Any more nine-year-olds? Four. I got some nine-year-olds in the house today. So nine-year-olds, right? Eden, would you stand up on the front row, my dear friend? I can borrow you because you're like, you know, your dad and I are pretty tight. Hey, Sam, how you doing, buddy? This is what a nine-year-old looks like, everybody. Wave at Eden. Eden, will you wave at all my friends? There you go. Eden, you're the star of the show. Thanks. You can have a seat. That's what a nine-year-old looks like. Adorable, cute, precious, cuddly, small. But here's the crazy thing. You ready? That's what it looks like to be halfway out of your house. Nine plus nine is 18. 18 equals college. See you later. Not coming back. Well, today you might, but <laughs> that's halfway to the end of your primary formative influence. Is that a wake-up call for moms and dads? 
So every dance recital is your opportunity to minister to her friends, moms and dads. Every Tuesday night at the Little League Fields is your one opportunity to take your son's friends, parents, and try to redeem them for the Lord's sake. And I know it means you'll have to invite them to dinner at your house on an already busy Saturday. And I know it means you'll have to say no to something. But if we want to be wise and redeem the time, the first thing we've got to do is recognize that time is running out and it's time for us to step it up. I've been a little bit hard on our younger folks But we are a church for all generations to grow in the grace of Jesus. What about my retired people? How many retired folks have we got in the church today? Will you raise your hand, retired folks? Amen. Y'all are living a good life. We're a little jealous. I saw a lot of smiles. I mean, like they're waving at me, you know. (laughs) What if retirement goes by as quickly as parenting? I'm not trying to be morbid, but if the pace of life in retirement moves as quickly as the pace of life in your parenting, then that retired 20 years will be over before you know it. We'll be at your funeral speaking about what you accomplished with your life before you know it. And God just gave you this season where your calendar became clear. And I know y'all are saying, Ben, I'm busier than ever. I get it. But I want you to recognize how short this season is. And for you, this is the last season. Like, the stakes are super high. This is the fourth quarter. You can't, but in our culture, we hit neutral. We get retired and we punch the clock and say we're done. Absolutely not. you got to finish strong. This is your last stand. You better use those retirement years better than you've used any for Jesus' sake. Because we are called by the living God to redeem the time. In Colossians chapter 4, Paul lets us know what he means by this. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, he says almost the same thing as he said in Ephesians. And you need to know that Colossians and Ephesians, the two letters, are like brothers. They read an awful lot alike in a lot of places. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders Same language, listen, make the most of every opportunity or redeem the time. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to answer everyone. Paul let us know pretty clearly what he had on his mind. Church, be wise in the way we operate, in the way that we act towards outsiders, the lost. We've got to redeem the time. Because the days are evil. The stakes are high. The time is short. You've got to figure out how to redeem the world in a way that will work. Does that mean you're going to open your table? Does it mean you're going to make the baseball field your mission field? Does it mean that you're going to intentionally organize a family prayer time at 9 o'clock at bedtime? Does it mean that every family reunion in Christmas now will look a little differently? I don't know. I know that God is capable of leading you in his mission. I'm asking you, though, to be willing to make radical changes. I read two books recently by a lady named Rosaria Butterfield. Brilliant lady. God moved her in a remarkable way through the journey of her life. I highly recommend you read these two books. But essentially, this is a lady who was far away from the Lord. And her conversion story basically centered around a table. 
a pastor and his wife invited Rosaria to their table on Thursday nights to pray, to read scriptures. And over the course of time, the passage of months, she opened her heart to the Lord and she walks with Christ and she's doing the same thing in her house. For her, what it meant to make the most of every opportunity to redeem the time was to open her kitchen table, to intentionally use her household, her hospitality for gospel ministry. What does it look like for you? What does it look like for you in your workplace? For all those of you guys that are counting the days of retirement, I love it when you're in your early 60s or your late 50s and say, where are you working? And you answer, how long you got left? And you go, four and a half years, three years, two years. I got 27 months, Ben. We're counting the days to retirement. Good for you on the one hand. But on the other hand, it means you've only got 27 months left to redeem the time with the people you work with. Are you making a difference? I just want us to recognize that in our calling to follow Jesus, it's time for us to be urgent. It's time for us to be wise. For some of you, this will require radical changes because you have been in Christian neutral your whole life. And I'm calling you out of it. I'm asking you to let the Holy Spirit of God show you some new things. I'm asking you to go home and have conversations in your household, with your friend groups, for your high school buddies, in college, to say, hey, listen, our pastor said we have got to redeem the time. We've got to make the most of our opportunity. Are we doing it? Okay, well, what can we do? What do we try? Let's start praying. Let's ask God what to do. But we've got to make the most of the opportunity. Or we'll be one more generation of Christians that lived our whole life and died and showed up in front of God's heaven and showed up in the judgment seat of Christ without bringing brothers and sisters with us, without redeeming the people because we would not redeem the time. My time's up. I want to ask you to consider what the Lord would have you change. Let's pray. Father, in your wisdom, would you teach us as a church family how to invent new things, to follow your spirit, to do things we've never thought to do. Would you show us in wisdom, according to your will, how to redeem the time that we have left. We know the days are evil, and we know they take their toll on us and our brothers and sisters and a lost world around us. We know that you love every person we see in a week. Would you teach us, Lord, how to make the most of these precious minutes for your sake, for your mission? We're open to the leadership of your Spirit, we ask you to lead us in Jesus' name.